Justin Trudeau goes full dictator and invokes the Emergencies Act in Canada in response to the Freedom Convoy. We'll look to how the Biden administration and former DHS officials are targeting the freedom protests as a warning of what's to come here in the U.S. And if you're worried about a social credit system making its way to the West, well, it's already here and we'll lay out exactly what I'm talking about. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. Now, you might have looked for episodes last week and said, hey, where did Sav go? I decided to take the week off from political commentary and really delve into everything that we've been living through. Because as I say quite often on this show, we are living through a time of intense political manipulation, the manipulation of our reality, of our language, of basically everything. We're being attacked from multiple angles in society. And so I took the week off to really hone in and research various political issues and topics, but we missed a lot of news. So what I'm going to do for today's show, this very special Valentine's Day edition of Rapid Fire, again, thank you for joining me, is interspersed throughout the show some of the biggest news stories that we missed last week, while also covering the biggest stories that broke this week and today, again, starting off with Canada. Before we get to Canada, before we get to all of this breaking news, please remember that if you do like the show, you like my channel and you like my content, go subscribe to my other channels on Odyssey and on Rumble. You can find me at Sav Says. If you like the podcast as well, please go and leave a five-star review because it helps us grow in the charts. It helps other people find the show. And the podcast doesn't get censored as badly as the YouTube shows do. So please, all of the links are down below. Go leave a five-star review on Apple Pod if you like it, or go listen on Podbean or Spotify. The podcast is our second biggest platform behind YouTube. So please go show some love and support. So it's Valentine's Day, guys. All right. And um, many people are posting different Valentine's Day themed memes, super beautiful, super funny, all about love and hearts and happiness and peace today because it's Valentine's Day. It's the lover's holiday. Some people love it. Some people hate it. We had the government, actually, the ATF, do their own Valentine's Day tweet. And I don't know who thought this was a good idea, but let's kick off the show with this tweet from the ATF headquarters official blue checkmark Twitter account that reads, Valentine's Day can still be fun even if you broke up. Do you have information about a former or current partner involved in illegal gun activity? Let us know and we'll make sure it's a Valentine's Day to remember. Call one 888 atf tips or email blah, blah, blah. So the ATF, the same organization known for brutally murdering American citizens in both Waco and Ruby Ridge says, hey, you're a little bit vindictive against an ex, maybe? Well, it's Valentine's Day, guys. Uh, why don't you just narc them out to the government so we can go brutally murder them for you? <laughs> I mean, that's not exactly what they said. Maybe I was being a little bit dramatic. Um, but if you do look into what happened at Ruby Ridge and Waco, again, the ATF, maybe I'm not being so dramatic there. But um I don't know who thought that was a good idea to tweet out, but happy Valentine's Day from the government who loves you. And if that doesn't perfectly encapsulate these intelligence agencies and all of these organizations created by the government to protect and love and serve you, I don't know what does. Yeah, if uh, you have a friend or you have an ex-lover who uh, might have rubbed you the wrong way, just narc them out to the government. We'll take care of it for you. Don't worry. Don't worry about a thing. So uh, happy Valentine's Day from the U.S. government. Now let's get into the big and breaking news. Biggest news of today, Justin Trudeau of Canada invoked emergency powers 
in a bid to end the Canadian Freedom Convoy. Yes, Justin Trudeau has essentially waged war on Canadians and said, yeah, uh, you want to protest me, Justin Trudeau, the great and all-powerful Prime Minister of Canada? I don't think so. If you're Black Lives Matter or part of an Indigenous community, sure, you can burn down a church or, you know, throw a riot or two. But uh, yeah, if you are peaceful, Canadian trucker, I am going to deem you a terrorist and ruin your life. So Justin Trudeau invoking those emergency powers. And I want to play in its entirety what these Canadian officials are giving Justin Trudeau and the Canadian government the ability to do, because it is absolutely horrifying. And like I said in the intro of this show, so many people are warning about the social credit system coming to the West, coming to America, but it is already here, and I'm going to lay out exactly how. But let's listen to Justin Trudeau today invoking those emergency powers. The Emergencies Act will be used to strengthen and support law enforcement agencies at all levels across the country. This is about keeping Canadians safe, protecting people's jobs, and restoring confidence in our institutions. Here's how the measures we're taking today will help get the situation under control. The police will be given more tools to restore order in places where public assemblies can constitute illegal and dangerous activities, such as blockades and occupations as seen in Ottawa, the Ambassador Bridge, and elsewhere. These tools include strengthening their ability to impose fines or imprisonment. So the fines and imprisonment, the government has just granted itself the ability in Canada to fine or imprison anybody who is basically protesting them and who is not adhering to their COVID narrative. Keep in mind that Justin Trudeau invoked these emergency powers Going into year three of COVID response, he's saying he's doing this for the health and wellness of Canadians because everyone else around the world sees what's going on in Canada with the truckers. They see the truth because they're not watching the mainstream. They're not watching CBC, which essentially is Canada or Canada's CNN, except it's government funded over there. They're not watching the mainstream out of Canada. They're watching the grassroots movement of these truckers and it's sparking protests nationwide. I was watching a clip from CNN last week the CNN contributor goes, oh, yeah, it's really bad what's happening. Uh, we need to get the Canadian truckers under control because they're showing other people around the world that it's OK to push back against your government. And that's not good. We have to shut this down immediately. We didn't think it would spark a worldwide uh, freedom protest. It's just unfathomable. So Justin Trudeau granting himself the ability to arrest people who are peacefully protesting because keep in mind the people who have been violent and angry, screaming in the streets, dragging Canadian flags on the ground have been the counter protesters to this freedom protest. Why you would protest a freedom protest? I don't know. That's just a next level government psychological manipulation that you've lived through. You are so damaged that you're fighting against your own freedoms. I can't fathom that, but there are people who are doing that because our reality has been so manipulated by the media and government for the past going on three years at this point, that there are people who are pro-dictatorship at this point in Canada. Now, this next clip is very long. It is uh, 
Christian Friedland, the Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance in Canada. This is a three-minute clip, but I want us to listen to it in its entirety because it's absolutely baffling to me. I don't normally like listening to long clips, but I was listening to this clip and I was like, all right, let me edit this down to like a 30-second for the show. And I kept listening and I would cut it and then they would keep going. And the information that they're laying out here was so insane that I couldn't clip any of it out because this is just straight up a dictatorship. This is tyranny in its most blatant form. And I want us all to hear from the mouth of the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada what they are doing to their peaceful people who are protesting their government, who have ruined their lives. And before we play this too, let me add on to this, that Justin Trudeau keeps going, oh, these truckers are shutting down the economy. They're stalling Canadians' lives. They can't do that. You did that, Justin Trudeau. The government destroyed Canadians' lives for the past two years, destroyed the Canadian economy, and now because the truckers do not want an experimental vaccination, you are going to punish them for a protest that has lasted, what, a little bit over a week at this point? How long did you keep your people hostage, Justin Trudeau? Well over two years. You're still doing it now. Let's listen to the Deputy Prime Minister. And again, long clip, but please listen in its entirety because it's absolutely insane. First, we are broadening the scope of Canada's anti-money laundering and terrorist financing rules so that they cover crowdfunding platforms these changes cover all forms of transactions, including digital assets, such as cryptocurrencies. The illegal blockades have highlighted the fact that crowdfunding platforms and some of the payment service providers they use are not fully captured under the Proceeds of Crime and Terrorist Financing Act. Our banks and financial institutions are already obligated to report to the Financial Transactions and Reports Analysis Centre of Canada, or FinTrack. As of today, all crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use must register with FinTrack and they must report large and suspicious transactions to FinTrack. This will help mitigate the risk that these platforms receive illicit funds, increase the quality and quantity of intelligence received by FinTrack, and make more information available to support investigations by law enforcement into these illegal blockades. We are making these changes because we know that these platforms are being used to support illegal blockades and illegal activity, which is damaging the Canadian economy. Second, the government is issuing an order with immediate effect under the Emergencies Act, authorizing Canadian financial institutions to temporarily cease providing financial services where the institution suspects that an account is being used to further the illegal blockades and occupations. This order covers both personal and corporate accounts. Third, we are directing Canadian financial institutions to review their relationships with anyone involved in the illegal blockades and report to the RCMP or CSIS. As of today, a bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend an account 
without a court order. In doing so, they will be protected against civil liability for actions taken in good faith. Federal government institutions will have a new broad authority to share relevant information with banks and other financial service providers to ensure that we can all work together to put a stop to the funding of these illegal blockades. This is about following the money. This is about stopping the financing of these illegal blockades. We are today serving notice. If your truck is being used in these illegal blockades, your corporate accounts will be frozen. So that is what is currently going on in the government in Canada. Now, this woman said very, she, she used a lot of very interesting language in detailing what this freedom convoy that has been peaceful is. Now, in that last 20 seconds, she said illegal convoy, and she put emphasis on illegal convoy many times. What else did she say throughout the duration of this very long and horrific three minutes? She said they, they were terrorists. She mentioned money laundering, terrorism, illegal blockades, illicit funds, how banks can review their relationship and basically freeze their citizens' funds without a court order. So I want us to all understand, and again, thank you guys for sticking through that long clip, but I'm sure many of you even listened to that and thought, okay, th this is bad, and then somehow the clip keeps getting worse. I want us to understand that what is happening in Canada right now will soon make its way to the U.S. if we are not careful. And what the government is doing to the Canadians right now is tyrannical. This is why we should have never put the face masks on. We should have never shut down. We should have never listened to 15 days to slow the spread because these governments seize this power and they're refusing to let it go. This is not about health and safety. This is about the Canadian people taking back their freedom and Justin Trudeau being so upset about it that he is going full fascist, full dictator, full tyrannical asshole mode, pardon my French. But this is what they're doing to the Canadian people, and this should serve as a grave warning to many Americans of what is going to be coming to the U.S. and is already here if we disapprove of our government or we push back against our government. Kian Vex, she's been on the ground covering these protests in Canada, Again, just tweets out, shocking, Canadian banks are now allowed to suspend any account for any reason if they think the money is furthering the interests of freedom. They can now do whatever they want without a court order. This is such a dangerous precedent because at this point, what they have allowed these institutions to do as well is, hey, maybe your banker is a little bit more of a liberal. Maybe your banker loves Justin Trudeau and then you come in and it's like, oh, uh, I actually saw on your social media account that you uh, retweeted a tweet about the freedom convoy and you liked it guess what we've just frozen your assets now until you obey the government and until you bend the knee and give up all of your rights and freedoms that's what this leads to now justin trudeau 
said this fun piece last week, and we're going to reiterate it and re-listen to it because I want you guys to just listen to how astounding the hypocrisy is of Justin Trudeau trying to equate the Freedom Convoy to blockading the economy and destroying democracy and destroying our fellow citizens' lives. The same Justin Trudeau, who again has held Canadians hostage for over two years at this point. Let's listen. Individuals? are trying to blockade our economy, our democracy, and our fellow citizens' daily lives. It has to stop. So think about everything that Justin Trudeau said and apply it to COVID. It's okay when the government shuts down the economy. It's okay when the government forces your child to stay home from school for over a year. It's okay when the government kicks you out and lets businesses medically discriminate against you for not having a vaccination, for having medical freedom. It's okay if the government comes in and upends your entire life. It's okay if the government lies to you, spreads propaganda, psychologically manipulates and tortures you for two, over two years. But as soon as you stand up as a citizen and you try to push back against that and say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm tired of this abusive relationship with the government because remember everybody, it does not matter where in the world that you are. I mean, I guess it does matter a little bit, but here in the West and in many parts of Europe as well, remember that the elected officials are elected to serve their constituents. Here in America, that rings true, or it's supposed to, more than anywhere else, we elect our our, our politicians, we elect our leaders to stand for the constituents, to lead the constituents, and to make sure that the constituents and the citizen is protected. Now, what we are seeing in Canada, like I said, is just straight up tyranny. We also had um, the, I believe this is the premier of Ottawa, like basically their mayor, he enacted a state of emergency allowing for the arrest and imprisonment of Canadian protesters for up to one year in jail. He adds that dissidents can be fined $100,000 too. That was back last week on Friday. So we were already seeing that immense crackdown coming in hard from all of these, again, just straight up evil people who are coming in and they're, this isn't about COVID. Like I'm trying to remain calm. And I'm trying to just articulate this news to you guys, but I cannot express my frustration with these government officials coming forward and straight up bold-faced lying to you, to the Canadian people, lying about what the Canadian protesters are there and what they are standing for. If anybody is oppressing anyone and putting anybody at risk for their health, for their life, it's Justin Trudeau, and he needs to resign immediately. He needs to step down because, like I said, this man is a straight-up dictator at this point. So that's what's happening in Canada right now. Now, last week on Thursday, the Biden administration had to add their two cents into what they thought the Canadian government should do in regards to the Freedom Convoy. Because like I said, this convoy started in Canada and it spread to the U.S. There were rumors and the DHS was coming out and saying, oh, truckers might block the Super Bowl. That's not good. We cannot have that. And then we had... Um, in France, they had their own freedom convoy protest this past weekend. That got very violent. Not the people, the police coming down on the people and straight up attacking them. I'll show you videos of that here in a moment. But the Biden administration, who knows that these convoys are coming to the U.S., we've had U.S. truckers say, you know what, we want to have a convoy, we want to make our voices heard in D.C. The Biden administration knows this is coming to the U.S. So what was their two cents to Canada? They said, 
that Canadian counterparts should use federal powers to end truckers' convoy. And I guess the Canadian government decided to follow suit and say, oh, that's a great idea, uh, Joe Biden. We're going to go ahead and listen to you on that one. And we're going to invoke federal powers to further restrict the rights and freedoms of our constituents instead of listening to the people who we have attacked and ruined the lives of over the past two years, instead of listening to our constituents who are the majority and who do hold the power. And that's why the government, and uh, again, listen to the language that was used by the Canadian financial official who came forward and said, the illegal convoy, the illicit funds, the terroristic activities, look at the language that they use. They use that type of language because that in itself is a manipulation tactic. If you repeat a lie enough, it eventually becomes the truth. And what has the media been repeating? What has have these politicians been repeating? That these truckers are insurrectionists, that they're terrorists, that anybody who donated to them are giving them illegal and illicit funds when none of that is actually true. Now, last week, GoFundMe canceled, or it was actually the week before, it was on Friday. GoFundMe basically froze the Canadian truckers' uh, original fundraiser and took $9 million away from them. Now, many of us on the right say do not use GoFundMe. This is an openly one side leaning type of organization and platform. They typically lean more towards the left. They'll promote BLM. They'll promote all of these funds where you're bailing out rioters and looters. But as soon as you have a freedom convoy and you're actually trying to, uh, you know, fight for something good, the future generation of your children, then GoFundMe says, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and steal that 9 million from you. So people if you did donate to the GoFundMe, make sure that you request a refund for that, because if you do not, GoFundMe is planning on distributing the funds to organizations they deem politically correct, or I cannot remember the correct terminology that they use, but basically the organizations that they deem politically correct, the organizations that they want to see prosper in the world, the Canadian Freedom Fund, they took the $9 million away from them. Now, Give, Send, Go has since started their own fundraiser, and they've raised millions and millions for the Canadian truckers, but they've run into their own problems as well. We'll be getting into that in a moment. But I saw this little excerpt on Twitter, and I thought it was perfect, and I want to read it to you guys. It says, the GoFundMe cancellation of the truckers' money should make you all aware of how a cashless society will work. The government gets mad at you, and they wipe out your money. The end. Think they can't get mad at you? You're a good citizen? Welcome to the social credit system. And this is what I'm talking about here in the U.S. Now, whenever I go to a restaurant, I like to ask, ask for a paper menu. Because if you go to a restaurant nowadays, you just have to scan your QR code and then, you know, the, the menu pops up on your phone. What this looks like to me, and call me crazy or a conspiracy theorist, but what that looks like to me is the introduction of all of us getting used to being forced to be a part of the metaverse even more than we already are, being forced to be even more attached to our phones than we already are. It's getting us used to being in this digital space. So I've already seen the implementation of our society getting us more and more dependent on our digital devices, on our phones, on a potential social credit system. Remember, 
that Michelle Malkin was banned from Airbnb, as was her husband, because he was guilty by association because of her political leanings. We also had uh, Mike Lindell, who was banned from a bank because because of his political leanings, essentially. I'm trying to see if I can find this article here for you guys, because I would love to actually read this to you. Yes. My Pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, says he's disgusted with two banks he claims are cutting ties with him over cancel culture after his phone records were subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. Mike Lindell claims two of his financial backers want him to leave their bank. The My Pillow CEO shared recordings of a phone call with a bank representative with Insider. He also said they would have to throw him out and that he wouldn't close out voluntarily. So we have banks here in the U.S. saying, uh, yeah, we want to cut ties with you. We don't want you banking with us. We have also seen several other banks just straight up tell people they can't bank with them anymore. We're seeing people getting banned from many organizations and institutions in America, and many people want to make the argument, oh, well, this is a private business. Well, at the same time, people are being discriminated against for their political leanings or for their medical freedom. And at what point did we all decide that discrimination was okay? Because for the longest period of time in this country, that was illegal. It was illegal to discriminate against somebody for their religious perspective or for their race or for their personal decisions. But now discrimination is not only applauded in our society today, it is sanctioned by the government, essentially. The government is pushing us to do this. So anyways, back to the cashless society and... Um, the social credit system, many people already tweeting out, look what's happening in Canada. Do we need to pull our money out of the banks? Which is why it is important that you guys do invest in multiple different things like gold, silver, a straight up farm at this point. Do not be de dependent on any of these government institutions because look at the way these politicians view you and me and these Canadian freedom protesters who have been peaceful. They view all of us as terrorists. There are lists being made right now. I wish I was being dramatic about that. And everybody who has pushed back against the government will be targeted. The DHS themselves are already manipulating our language. We'll be getting into that in a moment. But I do want to talk about as well that one of the main ways that we've gotten to this point in society is via the manipulation of our language. That's how this all started. We're seeing the language being used now. Before... If you called somebody a terrorist, that was a pretty weighty thing to say, okay? You, you wouldn't just call someone, you know, cruising down the street a terrorist. Usually a terrorist would imply a very hefty definition and meaning, and you wouldn't just throw that word around like it was candy. But now we're doing that in the modern day. Everybody's a terrorist. If you question the government, you're a bad person, and uh, you deserve to be investigated. And this all started off with, again, that manipulation of language. Now, I was thinking about this, and I was like, when did the manipulation of language initially start? And it started with the gender pronouns. Sorry, I'm all over the place here today, guys. I promise this will all link together. But think about how that in itself was the introductory for the normalization of us changing our entire reality, changing the way that we speak, changing our language. The dictionary was changed for these different genders and pronouns and all of these new nonsensical things that just were created over the past decade that 
were never a thing 10 years ago. Back in the 90s, you think that somebody was like, yeah, my pronouns are they. They would have been laughed out of society because it made no sense. So if you look at the introduction of pronouns in society, that was the original manipulation of our language. It was kind of the gateway to get us all used to definitions and science being changed. Now it's just like, oh, science kind of is what it is. And science is always changing. Um, and uh, definitions are always changing. And language is always changing, which is why we also saw, you know, the CDC change its definition of vaccine to be more transparent. So when you see headlines like this one, it's like, well, you know, we've already become accustomed to over these past couple of years, the uh, continued redefinition of various words. Granted, the CDC redefined vaccination because they realized that the original definition of vaccine would no longer work for the, um, COVID jab that's being pushed to us nowadays. And let me just read a little bit of this article uh, from for you guys, because it's absolutely insane. Uh, again, that manipulation of our language and how the CDC can just straight up change an entire definition, a definition that our politicians and medical officials have been defining us by and leading us by for the past two years. Oh, now the CDC just changes it. So that way we can continue to institute medical tyranny and government tyranny in our society. So it says the CDC changed its definition of vaccine from a product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce immunity to a specific disease, protecting the person from that disease to a preparation that is used to stimulate the body's immune response against diseases. So they omitted that whole entire last portion there protecting the person from that disease. So they kind of just, you know, took that out of the definition of vaccine, but because we're also used to our, our language being so manipulated every single day and changed constantly, you know, newspeak, like they would say in 1984, nobody questions it and says, oh, okay, the CDC, that's an official government organization, just changed the definition of vaccine, nothing to see here, everybody move on with your daily lives. Also, um, a terrorist is now a freedom-loving, peaceful Canadian who is sitting in a truck. That, that's a good definition. We'll go ahead and change that one, too. So that's where we're currently at in society. And again, I always like to reiterate that opposing a government that takes away your rights and your freedoms is not an insurrection. It's not treason. It's your constitutional right. It's your God-given, you know what? Omit the constitution from this. It is your God-given right not to be ruled by a tyrannical dictator. It is. And if somebody is impeding on your rights and freedoms, it is your right and it is your duty to stand up for said freedoms. Because if you don't, what ultimately ends up happening is the government says, oh, you protested us in any way, shape, or form that we didn't say was okay? Well, now we're going to freeze all of your bank accounts and make sure that life is unbearable for you because you are dependent on us. You are dependent on our banking system. You're dependent on us to go to the grocery store. You're dependent on us to get fuel for your vehicle. We are going to cut you off from every single thing that we can until you obey us and you never question us again. And if you don't, we'll make your life a living hell. For example... People who didn't get the vaccine in Canada can't fly, travel by train, leave the country, go to restaurants or cafes, shop at big box retailers, go to the gym or places of worship, attend various kinds of classes and events, take their children or spouses to the movies. And on top of all of that, if you go and you protest your corrupt government as well, you're going to get frozen out of your bank account because you're receiving illicit funds. And again, like 
that um, Canadian official said in that clip, she said, this is for personal or corporate accounts. So you want to make a personal contribution to the Canadian Freedom Fund. Well, uh, guess what? Now we're going to uh, just go ahead and uh, ruin your entire life. Now, I want to also talk about, too, since we are on the topic of these donations to the Canadian Freedom Fund, per the post-millennial, or actually per the New York Times, we'll start here, Canadians are responsible for roughly half the money raised online for the trucker convoy leaked data shows. So this comes from the post-millennial. Uh, the Christian crowdfunding site Give, Send, Go was hacked, and the donors were doxxed by far-left activists. So these activists basically hacked into Give, Send, Go and got all of the names of the donors and people who gave to the Canadian Freedom Convoy and essentially gave this list to Canadian officials, the Canadian government, so that they could go find anybody who pushed back against the government and tried to fund the Freedom Convoy for the truckers who, again, were peacefully fighting for their rights. From the post-millennial, Give, Send, Go, the Christian crowdfunding website used by the Freedom Convoy was hacked Sunday night and was redirected to the domain Give, Send, Gone, WTF. A video of the song Into the Unknown from the Disney film Frozen 2 was displayed on the site with the manifesto scrolling over the video condemning the website and the Freedom Convoy. And it's basically this video, and they're calling the people a part of the convoy, Hatriots. Uh, a file was also posted, which was alleged alleged to contain tens of thousands of names of donors to the Freedom Convoy. So now these poor Freedom Convoyers getting doxxed by their government, they're already getting attacked, they're already getting frozen out of their bank accounts, and now these hackers just handed a list of all of the, the people who pushed back against the government to the government. This does not lead to a good place. And just to, again, highlight the complete hypocrisy of Justin Trudeau, two years ago, uh, thousands of travelers were affected as indigenous-led rail blockades continued in Canada. Thousands of travelers in Canada have been affected and billions of dollars worth of freight traffic delayed as an indigenous-led blockade of critical rail lines continued to cripple the country's train network. This was back in uh, 2020, I believe. Yep, 2020. In February of 2020, this happened. So these indigenous people are allowed to cripple the railway. But if you're a freedom convoy, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And it was my friend uh, Harrison Smith who pointed this out. He said two years ago, exactly. This was Trudeau's response to leftist blockades. They derailed trains, caused major accidents, and were demanding ridiculous things like kicking the RCMP out of their communities. And Justin Trudeau's response was, I met with the incident response group this morning to address the ongoing blockades and infrastructure disruptions across the country. We're engaged at all levels and committed to resolving the situation quickly and peacefully to restore the rail service. So that's how Justin Trudeau responds when the left shuts things down and when the left causes the government to lose trillion, not the government, <clears throat> not the government, um, you know, businesses and the economy of the Canadians to lose billions of dollars. If it's indigenous people or Black Lives Matter doing it, Justin Trudeau doesn't care. But if it's the Freedom Convoy, let's take a peek at how the government responds. 
From Insider Paper last week, judge has heard enough grants injunction, injunction against truckers honking in Ottawa for 10 days. So no more honking in Ottawa. They're not allowed to do it. A judge said, I've heard enough. The honking's just too much. So you're not allowed to, to honk anymore for 10 days. Further than that, Ontario police have begun handing out notices on Ambassador Bridge, effective midnight tonight. I believe this is that bridge that was um, the bridge between America and Canada. And they're handing out these papers basically saying that the province of Ontario had declared a state of emergency, which means that it was illegal and punishable to block and impede the movement of goods, people, and services along critical infrastructure. So remember that illegal blockade, you're not allowed to do that. If you are an indigenous person and you want to, uh, you know, illegally block railways or streets, that's totally fine. But if you are a freedom-loving patriot who's actually pushing back against the government for a noble cause? Absolutely not. The Ottawa police also came out with this one last week. Anyone attempting to bring material supports, gas, etc., to the demonstrators could be subject to arrest. Enforcement is underway. Let's go ahead and play a quick video of these police officers confiscating fuel from the truckers to try to just shut them down. They were also confiscating uh, firewood, food. This is straight up like the military arm of the government here. I didn't even know if that would be the correct terminology, but obviously the Ottawa police are being weaponized against the people. And instead of these police officers saying, you know what, I'm not going to take away my fellow man's rights and freedoms. This is what they did. So, in fact, yes, they are taking fuel right away from people as they attempt to fuel their vehicles. And uh, people are surrounding the police, even though the police are actually being extremely calm and uh, cool about kind of everything, except for they're taking fuel, I guess. But uh, other than that, they're being they're being pretty respectful to everyone, considering they just got surrounded in like two seconds. So that's how the Ottawa police are responding. And by the way, these are the police that are being sent to confront this peaceful convoy. Kian Beck says, police doesn't accurately describe this. These are paramilitary forces descending on Canadian protesters. And as you guys can see, this looks like a gigantic, just straight up tank. It's an armored vehicle that these police are coming in on to confront these truckers and these peaceful people. The police were taking away their gas and um, the people as well, Canadians decided to protest by bringing jerry cans and Hundreds of Canadians were just walking the streets with these cans. Some of them were filled with fuel. Some of them were just filled with water. But they were there to protest the government taking them away. Because they were like, you know what? We, <laughs> the government says, okay, you want to protest? Just be peaceful. And then they go out peacefully and they're like, oh, yeah, um, no, absolutely not. I saw this meme and it just perfectly encapsulates what's going on in Canada and worldwide, actually, because this is happening in multiple countries, truly. It says, we're going to burn this country to the ground. And on the left, you have Black Lives Matter, Antifa, all these soy boy losers. And the cops are like, please stop. We can work this out. And then on the left, on the bottom, it's like Hong Kong, no more mandates. And it's just, you know, red-blooded, freedom-loving truckers. And the cops like, time to die. And that's essentially what's going on here. This meme is funny. And I brought it in because I knew I was going to be upset having to cover this. 
so this is a satirical representation of what is currently going on in the modern day, but this is what is happening here. The police are being so aggressive with people, not only in Canada, but worldwide. Like I just talked about, the indigenous people are allowed to not only block railways, but also burn down churches. Please do not forget that in 2021, dozens of Canadian churches were burned down. Um, this is from the Wall Street Journal. It has been a difficult summer for Canada's Christians. Over five days in late June, four Catholic churches and an Anglican church were burned to the ground. Uh, suspicious fires broke out all across the country. In all, at least 56 churches were set aflame or vandalized. This is unquestionably a crisis, and let's go ahead and take a peek at how Justin Trudeau responded to various churches, over 56 at that point, having been burned down across his country. Uh, the first suspected arson happened on June 21st, and uh, Justin Trudeau didn't speak on the issue until July 1st. Now, Mike Cernovich tweets out, churches were burned to the ground based on mass graves hoaxes. I didn't even know why the churches were being burned last year. I was following it and I saw that it was happening. But because the BLM riots were so insane, all of my focus was on that here in America. But apparently when churches were being burned down in Canada, these indigenous people thought that uh, these various churches were built on these mass graves. Some of them were, some of them weren't. And then all the churches got burned down. And what did Justin Trudeau do? Absolutely nothing. For Mike Cernovich, churches were burned to the ground based on mass grave hoaxes. Trudeau let that happen. No emergency, but not a peaceful protest. But now a peaceful protest is labeled terrorism. These are Bolshevik tactics. Gulags and genocide are next. This isn't a guess. It's history. And many people might read that and say that is so dramatic. Why would you say that? Gulags is next. Are you serious? We would never see that in the modern day. Look at what Justin Trudeau just declared today, that he's cutting people off from their own money because they're protesting a corrupt and tyrannical government. And also look at the manipulation of language. Now I talked about it before. I'm going to show you guys a couple of examples here. Quebec's largest television broadcaster, TVA, called the Freedom Convoy protest in Ottawa a siege. So using a lot of that terminology very similar to January 6th from MSNBC Daily. We should expect more nationwide insurrections like the Ottawa trucker protests for years to come. And I was like, you know what? What is the definition of insurrection? I want to make sure that I understand what insurrection means because this is also a term that's just being thrown out so lightly. Insurrection, if you just type it into Google, a violent uprising against an authority or government. So none of the BLM riots, you know, when they went to the White House and were trying to burn it down, that wasn't an insurrection. Anytime any leftist group went into the Senate building, you know, during the Kavanaugh trials and conducted a sit-in to go get their message across, that wasn't an insurrection. But if a trucker blocks a road, our media is already priming us to equate that to terrorism and insurrection. The Globe and Mail, this is a real tweet. The alt-right has weaponized freedom to undermine democracy. From Joel Berry, he says, we've actually arrived at freedom is slavery. Again, from that very famous 1984 novel by George Orwell, where he says, uh, freedom is slavery, war is peace, and ignorance is strength. We have officially reached freedom is slavery. And Justin Trudeau is saying, well, if you want the freedom to access your government, all you have to do is become a slave 
to the government. That's literally all you have to do, guys. It's not that really big of a deal. And if you push back against the government or question us in any way, shape, or form, uh, yeah, we're going to ruin your life and put you in prison. So Mike Cernovich talked about the gulag. Yeah, look at what happened to the January Sixers in the U.S., Look at how the Biden administration told the Canadian government to react to the convoy as to what's going to come here. And the DHS, a couple of days ago, warned against mistrust of the U.S. government in a latest terror bulletin. Now, they updated this bulletin to, again, redefine and rephrase what terror in the modern day is. This is the Department of Homeland Security. The Department of Homeland Security's latest terrorism threat bulletin included a warning against the proliferation of false or misleading narratives which sow discord or undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions. The bulletin, issued Monday and in effect until at least June 7th, blamed an online environment filled with false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories and other forms of mis-, dis-, and malinformation introduced and or amplified by foreign and domestic terror threat actors. These threat actors seek to exacerbate societal friction to sow discord and undermine public trust in government institutions to encourage unrest. Yeah, DHS, that just sounds like the CIA to me or, you know, the media. Hmm. Interesting. But I want us to understand the repercussion and implication of the DHS redefining terror and talking about how the online environment filled with false or misleading narratives, how that is ultimately going to lead to what is happening in Australia. There are police in Australia going to Australians' houses and saying, uh, yeah, we saw that you uh, retweeted this, uh, this uh, you know, peaceful protest banner. I don't know how to do an Australian accent. That's the best you guys got from me. But basically, the police go to the Australian people's houses and say, we saw your post on social media about how you wanted to protest the government. So we came to your house to make sure you really want to do that. It's a threat. It's to threaten people, to make them scared to go protest the government. And now we're seeing our own DHS rework those bulletins to try to uh, redefine what terrorism is in the modern day. Hey, maybe you supported Trump, you know, from 2016 to 2020. DHS is going to pull up an old tweet and say, sorry, you're a terror threat now because you believe the wrong thing politically. Oh, you were in uh, Washington, D.C. on January 6th walking your dog? Well... Uh, We found this old tweet about how you didn't like Obama in office, and because you were in D.C. on January 6th, oh, you weren't a part of the Capitol siege? Well, we're just going to go ahead and uh, indict you anyway and throw you in jail because we just can't have any anti-government sentiment because that's super dangerous, guys. Now, the Biden administration encouraging Canadian government to use federal power and full force of the government against the people. The DHS redefining what terrorism is. Now, this is an old DHS official under Obama. And she initially tweeted out, the convoy protest applauded by right-wing media as a freedom protest is an economic and security issue now. The Ambassador Bridge link constitutes 28% of annual trade movement between U.S. and Canada. Slash the tires, empty gas tanks, arrest the drivers, and move the trucks. And then she doubled down and she said, trust me, I will not run out of ways to make this hurt. Cancel their insurance. Suspend their driver's licenses. Prohibit any future regulatory certification for truckers, etc. How we learn nothing, these things fester when there are no consequences. Former DHS official. These are the people that are a part of our Department of Homeland Security, 
These are the people who have infiltrated all of these institutions and organizations tasked with keeping the American citizens safe. Yeah, like the ATF who tweeted out today, wouldn't it be funny for Valentine's Day if you like narked on your ex who you hate and like we kind of just like went and violently arrested them? Like how funny would that be? And we have this former DHS member saying, we will make this as painful as possible for you if you protest the government. We'll make sure that your life is ruined forever. That is who these people are. That is who your government is. And I do not know how I can reiterate that anymore. Now, Governor Gretchen Whitmer of, where is she? Is she in, she's in Michigan. She's in Michigan. I'm not going to play the clip for you guys today because the show is already running long because of the amount of information we have. But she basically, in regards to the uh, Canadian convoy, said this is an illegal blockade. And while people have the right to protest, they don't have the right to illegally block the largest land border crossing in North America. Hundreds of millions of dollars a day are being lost. Remember that this is the same governor who stood and marched with Black Lives Matter. The same Black Lives Matter that rioted, that shut down streets, that stopped cars from, you know, driving down that terrorized people in their vehicles. Yeah, same governor. Apparently now it's illegal to uh, protest. And Jack Posobiec retweets this and says, okay, so drop the mandates. Please keep in mind that it's another manipulation and propaganda tactic for the government to come forward and say, this is an illegal protest. This is illegal for you to do. No, it's illegal for the government to take away your right to work. It's illegal for the government to take away your rights and freedoms. The government is responsible for the blockade right now. The government is responsible for the economic hardship that Canada is going through right now. The government is responsible for everything. Not COVID, not the Canadian freedom truckers, not any American who wanted to stand up for their rights and freedoms and not wear a face mask. It is not your fault. This is entirely the fault of the U.S. government, of various governments across the world. The French government, the Canadian government, the U.K. government. Take your pick. This is the government, and it's on the government. This is not because of COVID. It is because of the government. Do not forget that. Now, Let's go ahead and take a peek at what happens when you don't push back against your government. I've always big, been a big proponent of stop wearing your face mask. And why did I say that? And why do I still live out that ethos so violently? And when I say violently, I don't mean physically violently. It's just like I get angry when people tell me to put a face mask on. I get very frustrated when people come up to me and say, why aren't you wearing a face mask? Like, are you so selfish? Are you a bad person? The reason why I initially said not to wear the face mask and still today not to wear a face mask is, it because, is because it is the most peaceful way for you to signal to everybody that you do, not, you do not take your cues on what you are allowed to do from the government. You are not property of the government. You are your own individual with your own rights and freedoms, and it is the most peaceful way for you to get that across. Now, what happens if you don't push back against a tyrannical government? We see things like this. Yeah, he failed to ID. Hey, hey, get back. For my podcast listeners, this is a little grandfather in Ottawa, Canada, being violently manhandled and arrested by the Ottawa police because he honked. Hey, Rich, Rich, stand down. Stand down. So I wanted to just play that a little bit to show you guys what happens when a government gets out of hand and when a government gets too tyrannical. You have little old grandpas who are getting violently manhandled and arrested because they honked a horn in Canada. Are you kidding me? And on top of that, another beef that I have with these types of videos is we need to stop 
videotaping when our fellow man is being dragged out of a room for not wearing a face mask, dragged off an airplane for not wearing a face mask, or like this little grandpa is getting arrested because he honked his horn. There is power in numbers, and no, I am not saying to be violent or to go attack police officers, but I'm saying to stand up with your fellow man. There was a video of a father who got ripped out of a school meeting. I believe the meeting was regarding face masks for children. The father was like, I'm not wearing a face mask, and four, five, six security guards came and violently ripped him out. All of the people in the room were filming him. What they should have done is they all should have stood up and ripped their face mask off and said, if you kick him out, you have to kick all of us out. You think four security guards against 50 angry parents? You think the security guards are going to win in that case? No, we need to start standing up for our fellow man. So stop recording it when grandpa is getting violently manhandled and start standing up for your fellow man. Now, let's go ahead and take a peek as well. What's happening in Paris uh, this past Saturday, they had their own freedom convoy and they were chanting liberty. And then the police decided to respond with tear gas. Let's watch. So these people just chanting liberty, they were telling Macron that he needed to resign. They took to the streets. The police, as you can see in that video, they're all very peaceful. The police decided to respond with tear gas. What else happened? <laughs> at the Freedom Convoy protest. So, French man, leg broken in, during an arrest at this protest. We also have this video as well of the Paris police breaking the window of a protester because his car had battery failure and he was unable to move his vehicle at the Freedom Convoy. Let's watch. So this is how the French are being treated for protesting for their rights and their freedoms. And I don't know how many times in one show I could say rights and freedoms and tyranny, but I want us all to understand where this leads to. It doesn't lead to a good place. Look to Canada and look to France to see what will be coming to the U.S. and what will ultimately happen worldwide to all of these various countries if enough people don't stand up. And standing up at this point is not an easy thing to do. And we've let this go too far already. That's all I can say is we've let this go so far. And every single day that we continue to allow this to fester, we continue to allow our government to think that they can shut down our entire economy because of a virus, that they can shut us all down because of climate change. Don't think that we get out of this and the government won't try to do this again. They very much will. Going back to the U.S., this is also what some of our students are experiencing because for some reason, parents are still allowing their kids to go to school while being forced to face mask. This comes from Dave Harden on Twitter who says, my sweet granddaughter got suspended from eighth grade at her California middle school. She saw the teachers at her school in their lounge all enjoying time maskless. She took her mask off and decided not to put it back on. A teacher yelled at her and she politely told her she was done. This little girl got suspended. So we've reached a point as well where our kids are having to protest for their own rights and freedoms because the governments and these teachers and all of these 
people in society are so drunk on power and they refuse to let it up. This is also another heartbreaking video of a middle school student in Illinois who was locked in a room for not wearing a mask. Let's watch. It is the law by Governor Pritzker to let me out of this room. You can't lock me in a room. You can't lock me in here. Please let me out. So that clip is just so heartbreaking to me, hearing this little boy like begging a teacher, please let me out. You cannot leave me in here. I don't have to wear a face mask. And that's where we've gotten to in society. These teachers are so power hungry and they're so psychotic and crazy that they're locking kids in gyms. They're locking kids in rooms at school because they don't want to wear a face mask. And again, getting back to the most common and basic knowledge regarding face masks. Why would you wear one if you are not sick? It makes zero sense. And we have allowed this to fester for far too long. And we have reached the point of no return. So every single day that you send your child to school, and they have to wear a face mask, or every single time you say, okay, I'll bend the knee to my boss and get my vaccine because I have to to be a part of civil society. Every single time you do that, we get further and further into this clown world into this nightmare because that's what this is at this point it's a nightmare watching canadians get frozen out of their bank accounts is a nightmare and it's horrifying to see watching the french get their legs broken by police and their windows broken in by police because they went to go protest for their freedoms is horrific Watching all of the protests in Australia, in Austria, people getting manhandled and tear gassed because they are telling their government enough is enough is horrifying. But we need to continue to push back because this is a bigger and greater thing than all of us. This is about our future generations. And if we do not stand up now, our society will never be the same. They were pushing the new normal on us for so long. And this is what the new normal has led us to complete chaos and complete insanity. A point in time where Levi's brand president, Jennifer Say, got fired today for speaking out against COVID measures for kids. She refused $1 million to stay quiet after relocating from California to Denver so her children could have a normal childhood. She got fired from her job because she had a common sense take. That's where we're at in society. And I say this every single week and I don't know how to reiterate it any more than I already have. Enough is enough. And I've said this before, but if you think that you cannot make a change, understand that we need each and every single American, yourself included, to make a change. It's as simple as saying no to a face mask. It's as simple as saying no to a vaccine. It's as simple as saying, hey, to your friend who's watching mainstream media, actually, the reality about the Canadian Freedom Convoy is a lot different than what you're being told. The reality about Russia-Ukraine tensions, a lot different than what you're being told. January 6ers, yeah, they weren't violent insurrectionist terrorists. All of the people that were killed and murdered that day were Trump supporters. It's as simple as debunking this misinformation and going out in the real world and having the courage to make a stand. Every single time I go to an airport, I try to go into the airport as far as possible, like to the point of almost getting kicked out without wearing my face mask, because I just want to encourage just one other American to see me not wearing it and say, you know what, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to be brave today. I'm going to take back my rights and freedoms because that's what this is about. And it's so difficult for me. And the reason why I took a week off from the show was because I do lose my passion and fire surrounding a lot of this because I do see the chaos that is taking place nationwide and also 
because I live in Texas, I still see the masks and I still see the propaganda, but because I am outside of a liberal city, it doesn't affect me as much. And I know for many of us who are living in red states, it can be very easy for us to say, well, it doesn't really affect me that much. So I don't really need to, uh, you know, make as big of a stand or be as vocal. Yes, you do. We need to continue to push back against our government until they understand who's in charge here. And it's not them. It is we, the people. Now, I have a lot of extra news that I didn't even get to, so I will most likely do another show tomorrow night uh, because there's so many other stories. You know what? Nope. I'm going to try to get through. I have about 15 stories here. We're going to try to get through them in 10 minutes. Rapid fire mode activated because all of this news is important and I can't put it off to another show because new news is going to break and we're never going to get to it. So let's rapid fire through some of the things that we missed last week that are very important. We should keep an eye on. Um, But again, just wrapping up on the Canadian Freedom Convoy. Keep Canada in your hearts and your minds and in your prayers and do not let this come to America and understand what we are currently being set up for. All right, let's get through some of this news. From last week, new Moderna is collaborating with AstraZeneca on an mRNA therapeutic for cardiovascular disease. We always see those memes. Um, basically, uh, create the virus, sell the sell the remedy type of thing, right? That's kind of what this seems like here because we do know that the FDA did update Moderna's own fact sheet to say that myocarditis and pericarditis is an effect is a side effect of taking the Moderna mRNA vaccination. And YouTube cannot strike me on that because the FDA literally has it on their website. Yeah, we updated Moderna's fact sheet. Myocarditis is actually a side effect. And now Moderna teaming up with AstraZeneca, also tied to blood clotting and heart failures with their vaccines to make a therapeutic for cardiovascular disease. Very interesting how all of that works out. Comedian Heather McDonald last week bragged about having four vaccines, mocked Christ, and then collapsed on stage and fractured her skull to thunderous laughter because people thought it was a part of her skit. We're actually going to watch this video because it is horrific here. Uh, Watch this woman brag about having four vaccines and then collapse on stage. She said it was because of dehydration. Uh, Take a look for yourself. I don't mean to brag. I don't care. But I want you to know, double-vaxxed, booster, flu shot... And I'm going to be honest, I have the shingle shot, too. And I still get my period. What? Yes. Traveled, went to Mexico twice, did shows, meet and greets, never got COVID. Clearly, Jesus loves me the most. Seriously. So nice. So nice. So everybody starts laughing, thinking that her violently fainting on stage and fracturing her skull is a part of the bit. But no, in reality, uh, she just got four jabs and she went to Mexico and went to, you know, all the restaurants and had a great life and uh, randomly just fainted on stage. Whoopsies. Who knows what the long-term effect of all of those vaccinations is going to be. There's no long-term research into it, but that's okay. You are the long-term research. Thank you, Heather McDonald. Great job. Uh, I hope you're well. I hope that you do recover okay, but uh, maybe don't mock Christ on stage. Not a good look. 
saw another meme. The science is settled, and it's the Democrats in a mask, and it's that Homer Simpson meme, and it says the 2022 midterms, and he slowly goes into the bushes, and he comes back out, and it says the science has changed, and to that, we're going to talk about how uh, in New York, statewide, their mask or vaccine mandate was lifted on February 10th per Governor Kathy Hochul. No more statewide mask or vaccine mandate for indoor businesses. And didn't we say that would happen? As soon as the 2022 midterms came around, those mask and vaccine mandates would just magically be lifted and COVID would kind of just ebb away. It would just, you know, the ebb and flow of COVID. It's just, it kind of just went away. Ah, no more mask or vaccine mandate in New York. As of last Wednesday, we also have Washington, D.C. dropping those mandates on masks. Proof of COVID vaccination. Uh, D.C.'s mask mandate will be allowed to expire February 28th as COVID-19 cases decline, Mayor Muriel Bowser announced on Monday. And uh, the expiration means that starting March 1st, masks will no longer be required in the following places, restaurants and bars, sports and entertainment venues, gyms, houses of worship, grocery stores, etc. And... um, Any private businesses that want to require the use of masks by its employees or customers still will be able to do so, but proof of vaccination will no longer be required in public places, such as those restaurants and entertainment venues in Washington, D.C. Really funny how um, these freedom truckers were talking about making a convoy journey up to D.C. and, oh, well, actually, just kidding, we don't have a vaccine mandate anymore. No need to do that. No need to do that. Minneapolis and St. Paul also immediately lifting those vaccine mandates for restaurants and bars. That came out on February 10th, which I believe was uh, last Thursday. Now, we also have Dr. Leanna Wen, who has been a health official for CNN and has come out and basically condemned the unvaccinated, said that we need masks and all these shots and that we just need to listen to the government. Well, she has since said that the science has changed. Remember, guys, keep that 2022 midterm energy. Well, the science has changed, Dr. Leanna Wen explains. Um, And she goes into why she supports lifting some of those pandemic restrictions and thinks the decision to wear a mask should shift from a government mandate to an individual choice. Well, guess what, Leanna? Guess what, girl? We keep the receipts up in this hoe and we remember every single thing that you said about the unvaccinated and about individual choice. Um, From Reason Coronavirus, CNN's Leanna Wen, the unvaccinated should not be allowed to leave their homes. From Fox News, CNN medical analyst Leanna Wen suggests life needs to be as hard as possible for unvaccinated Americans. We can't trust the unvaccinated, Dr. Leanna Wen, on vaccine mandates and how to stop the Delta variant. And finally, from Mediate, CNN medical analyst says Biden should go further to restrict the activities of the unvaccinated. And that is all from Leanna Wen, who says, well, the science has changed. Well, the science might have changed, Leanna, but our minds haven't changed. And we will never forget what you said about the unvaccinated and how we should be discriminated against during the midterm elections. Now, what else do we got going on here? Oh, yeah, this happened last week, too. Inspector General opens investigation into U.S. Capitol Police following allegations of spying on members of Congress. Uh, So basically, the Capitol Police uh, decided to go into a Republican congressman's office because they said that they saw what they deemed was suspicious material written on this congressman's whiteboard. He was basically trying to stop um, body armor from being bought by China and instead being purchased here in the U.S. And so the U.S. Capitol Police were like, oh, well, that's super suspicious. We're just going to break into your office and spy on you. Of course, they're denying that that actually happened. Um, But uh, that's where we're currently at as well, where we have Capitol Police just straight up spying on Republican congressman. Marjorie Taylor Greene calls Capitol Police Gestapo after Gohmert says they're spies for Nancy Pelosi. 
Uh, Capitol Police have not done anything to stop vandalism and theft at Representative Green's office, but they are spying on U.S. citizens, congressional staff, and members of Congress, Marjorie Taylor Green wrote. No thanks, Speaker Pelosi. We don't want your Gestapo. So that's what's going on with our Capitol Police as well. Again, just another example of how our military, our police are being weaponized against our congressmen, against anybody who goes against the narrative and has the wrong political leaning. Let's talk a little bit about Russia and Ukraine before we wrap up here. Now, I've been trying to look and see if the Russia-Ukraine tensions are real or if they're manufactured by the U.S. and by our media. From CBS News Today, Russian units near Ukraine moved into attack positions, U.S. officials say. Russia has moved some long-range artillery and rocket launchers into firing position, threatening Ukraine. Again, according to a U.S. official. I love how all these news stories say, according to a U.S. official. It's like, why aren't we hearing this from Ukrainian officials or people who are actually over in Ukraine? No, it's the U.S. who's telling us all of this. Uh, but from the Jerusalem Post, Ukrainian president clarifies ironic claim that Russia is going to attack on Wednesday. Presidential advisor Mikhailo Podolik said that Zelensky was not being literal, but ironic when he said that February 16th will be the day that Russians attack. Uh, Ukrainian president Zelensky, who used to be a comedian, I, I think that was somewhere in here, uh, but basically it was just like, yeah, he... I had a career as a comedian before becoming president, and he wrote that the Ukrainian government was told that Wednesday would be the day of an attack. And uh, then basically, like, U.S. News reported it, and then he was like, ha, ah, just kidding, I was not meant to take, that wasn't meant to be taken literally. It was an ironic claim. Simon Schuster, who is a reporter for Time, tweeted this out as well, which, again, just made me question the entire Ukraine-Russia tensions happening right now. It says, a source close to Zelensky told me the U.S. first warned his team of a Russia invasion last fall, putting the chances at 80%. The Ukrainians didn't buy it, but they saw an opportunity, more aid, more attention, and played along. Now they have regrets because they have too much attention. And my friend Harrison writes, number one, astroturf and uprising through NGOs and controlled media. Number two, ask for American government support. Number three, send American taxpayer dollars and demand lucrative jobs for children children in return. Number four, impeach Trump for trying to expose you. Five, agitate for war. And six, repeat steps one through three, which very much seems like what's happening right now. It seems like the American media and the Biden administration is really drumming up war between Russia and Ukraine. Lee Camp, who is a podcaster on Twitter, put this tweet out that went pretty viral, and he said, they lied us into Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Libya, Vietnam, and Korea. But they're telling the truth about Ukraine, which again just further adds to my suspicions of why are we always hearing from U.S. officials about Ukraine when Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, is like, yeah, I think that my um, people are safer here and that Americans are safer in Ukraine than they would be in L.A. Also, I'm over here in Ukraine, Joe Biden, you're not, so calm down. All things that the Ukrainian president told to Joe Biden. Talking and speaking of Biden and his administration, last week the administration allocated $30 million to send crack pipes to drug addicts to advance racial equality. Yay, Joe Biden. Good job. Good job, Joe Biden. Uh, send those crack pipes out to minority communities. That's a great allocation of our taxpayer dollars. Now, apparently they're trying to fund a clean crack pipes and other drug measures. From Newsmax, the Biden administration will be funding a federal program, which it says aims to reduce diseases and cut, cut drug use overall. I absolutely love that. We're going to cut drug use by uh, funding a program that includes the distribution of safe smoking kits or crack pipes 
with 30 million of your U.S. taxpayer dollars. Great job, Joe Biden. Absolutely insane. From the National Post, uh, just because we're still on the Biden administration, new Biden nuclear hire is a drag queen who wears stilettos to work, discusses sex with animals, and calls the NIH chief Daddy Fauci. So great job. We are seeing all of that inclusivity and progressive diversity hires in all of these different portions of our government. All I hope for this young man is that he actually knows what he's doing if he's working with our Department of Nuclear Energy. Weird that he goes to work wearing stilettos and he discusses bestiality and calls Fauci Daddy Fauci. But but, um, you know, that's just another example of how our government is being infiltrated from multiple levels by these complete and straight up psychopaths. Now, two more things and we'll wrap up the show. Had to bring this up because it's absolutely hilarious. From the Daily Mail, $1 million painting is ruined after a board security guard drew eyes on faceless figures. This was a painting from the 1930s. And the security guard, first day on the job, was like, yeah, these uh, figures need a face. So he drew little eyeballs on them. I thought this was hilarious. Men literally rejected modernity and embraced tradition and drew eyeballs on this painting. I thought it was funny. Uh, it's going to take $3,000 to restore it. Apparently, $1 million in damage. Whatever, guy. That was an ugly-ass painting anyway. And then finally, I saw this, this like Reddit post, but it made me think, and I'm going to end the show with this and on this note, since we did talk about the social credit system, the ultimate cashless society, and what that means for us. Um... This post reads, you are what they refer to as the useful idiots. Cryptocurrency is the biggest psyop in human history. They knew that people would eventually fear inflation and abandon fiat money, so they created an alternative that would help absorb the capital flight, but knew nothing to harm the system. That something is crypto. Remember their motto, you'll own nothing and you will be happy. Every immaterial fiat dollar you exchange for immaterial crypto is wasted ammunition you could have used to fight the banking cartel. They don't want you to own gold, silver, oil, farmland, etc. They want you to own nothing, aka cryptos and NFTs, and live in the metaverse. You are literally further engulfing yourself in the matrix, unplug yourself, and become a commodities chad. And I wanted to end on that because I think it is very interesting. I myself have invested in crypto and I'm still a little bit invested in crypto. I'm going to pull out of that market once the crypto market is back up. But I do think that it's very interesting, this whole concept of us being plunged into the metaverse, us owning nothing and being happy. Remember, that's the World Economic Forum that, by the way, um, they have like this young leadership class or summit that all of these various world leaders came out of. Justin Trudeau being one of those people. Many said that Justin Trudeau, owned by Klaus Schwab, very interesting connections on that front. But I wanted to leave you guys with that thought on crypto. I know many of you guys do enjoy crypto and like it. So let me know in the comments what you think about it. But in regards to the concept of owning nothing and being happy, Buying into crypto does mildly seem like a play into the ultimate lead up to the metaverse. Those are my thoughts. Those are my feelings. Thank you guys for sticking with me for this extra long episode of Rapid Fire. Please remember, if you like the show, to go give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or share the YouTube channel. Hit that like button. Go to my website, sassesofficial.com. Go to the Rumble channel, the Odyssey channel. All of my links to my socials are down below if you would like to support me in any way, shape, or form. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. My name is Savannah Hernandez.